near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. Today I would like to share the audio of a video of Wayne Morrison sharing his experience, and this is posted on enderf.org. So here's Wayne. It was the early 1970s and I was 17 years old. I had been ill and taken a few different medications I shouldn't have mixed. And I went to a party uh, over some people's house that I did not know very well. And I partied. And as a result, at some point during that evening, I lost consciousness. I can't honestly say I died. I don't know if I died. All I know is what happened next. At one point, I was just partying and having a good time, and at the next point, I was moving down a large black tunnel. It sounds like a cliche, but that's exactly what it was. It was this sort of big tunnel, and there was a rumbling noise like deep, deep earthquakes or trains going by. I guess I should have been scared, but I don't think I was. I was aware that I had a presence, a, a, uh, a presence, but not a body. But it wasn't like I said, oh, well, I don't have a body. I just was where I was at, and I could see around myself. And as I got to the end of this tunnel, I came into a world or a place where flowers were huge, and the grass and the colors were so vividly beautiful and vibrant, and everything was alive. The, the grass, the flowers, And I realized they're alive in this life, but that's not what I'm talking about. They were alive in a way that they were communicating and part of me, and I was part of them. And I was somehow moving over this scenario when I was taken into a place, and I don't remember by whom, uh, but I was taken, guided into this area where a bright light in the distance began to get closer and closer. And as the light got closer and closer, it, it just encompassed me in a full way that's not really possible to explain here. It wrapped me in a feeling of total peace and comfort that I had never known before and have never known since. And as this happened, I rapidly began to ask questions. Now, when I say ask questions, This isn't in the way we communicate in this world. It was as if the second I began to think the question, the answer was given to me in a multitude of ways. 
I would know it from its history, for its reasons it was happening. For instance, I said at one point, what is the meaning of life? And this being, who I personally believe was God, or at least a representative of God, if not God himself, communicated to me, not the word love, but the understanding of love, an understanding of love that I really couldn't have had before because I just thought, well, love, you know, you love your mother, you love your, your dog, you know, uh, peace, love, you know, all that. But it wasn't that. It was a love that was total and all-encompassing. At another point, I asked about creation on other planets or other universes, other, other, other galaxies. Was this possible? And the second I thought this, I was transported I can only think light years, uh, but I didn't really know what time or space was. It wasn't like it is here. And I was transported to other areas where I saw people living. Some of them seemed to have like Roman garb on, and I can't remember some of the others, to be honest. Uh, I then was taken to an area where it was shown to me the creation of the world, and this was shown in a way as if a giant tablet appeared in space, and all the history of the world unfolded in me rapidly, yet I understood everything, and I was part of all things that had happened somehow. I was connected to this, and I could understand it. I could understand so many things so rapidly and completely that there is no way to explain this to anybody. And at some point, I, I realized I would have to go back and I pleaded not to return. And I was told, well, you must return. And these beings around me of light indicated, you, you have to return, there's very important reasons. I don't recall what they said. I don't know what the reasons were. But the next thing that happened uh, was very powerful to me and has always stayed with me, as has the whole experience. Uh, Although this sounds egotistical, I, I don't know how to say it other than what happened. Millions or, or at least thousands of these light beings surrounded me and began to sing. Uh, and when I say sing, they were making music of a beauty that was improvisational and full and complete like you've never, like I've never heard in this world. And they were basically praising me and sending me back to do God's work. And at that point, I, the next memory I have, I woke up in a bathroom in this apartment I was at, and I began to look around for a razor blade to slice my wrist. Now this might sound very, uh, very desperate, but it wasn't that sort of thing. I simply, said to myself, I have to return, I want to return right now. I found a razor blade, and as I did, a voice very clear and, and distinct said, no. And at the second that voice happened, somebody said, I think he's in here, and the door opened, and I dropped the razor blade, and I went on with my life at that point. I went to my wife, uh, she wasn't my wife, she was my girlfriend, she later became my wife, I was 17 at the time, and explained all of this, but I had no reference, nothing in life to compare it to. 
Remember, this was the early 70s, and so I really didn't have a perspective which I could place it in. Well, several years later, we had been married and had a baby, and I was in Denver, Colorado in the United States Air Force when I was watching TV during the day with my wife, and a uh, person came on a show who was Dr. Melvin Morse, and I want to say it was like the Michael Douglas show, one of these daytime shows, and he began to talk about a book he wrote, Life After Life. And as he talked about it, I jumped up and I yelled, that's what happened to me. Finally, there was somebody who documented what had happened to me, and I realized it had happened to other people. Well, now in this year, uh, it, there, there are obviously hundreds of thousands of these documented cases of which I am just one. But that experience was a pivotal experience in my life, and it really took me many years to incorporate it into my life fully, and, and I, in many ways I don't think I have. I'd like to say I went on to become a fantastic person and, 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 and a great spirit in this world, but I really don't believe that's the case at all. I, I have so much work to do in that arena, I think. But it happened, and I think it probably happens to everybody. Uh, it either happens sooner or later. In my case, it was sooner for whatever reasons. Uh, how real was it? It was so real that nothing in this life, it, it's as if that was in a magnificent color movie and everything I'm looking at is in black and white now. It's that vivid. Recently I had a conversation with a friend and he said, and we were talking about this, and he said to me, well you just think it happened. I said, no, I, I know it happened. And he said, well you think it happened. I said, okay, I'll agree with you. As long as you understand that I think we're having this conversation and I think that happened much more clearly than I think we're having this conversation. It was really the most powerful, explosive, and life-altering experience of my life. And I'm very grateful that it happened to me because I don't know if I would have been strong enough to just have faith in another life and faith in God the way I ended up having this faith because I feel it was a gift given to me. Okay, that is the end of Wayne's account. And uh, if you get on enderf.org, you can either watch the video or you can read the account as well. Let's talk about it a little bit. First off, he talks a little bit about how when he first died, he heard this extremely loud buzzing or droning noise. This noise seems to come up a lot in near-death experiences, and yet it comes up in so many different forms that it's difficult to say exactly what people will experience. Um, the buzzing or droning noise is, is emphasized in uh, Raymond Moody's book, Life After Life, and uh, many people since then when they describe their experiences, they describe a ringing or a bell sound, kind of like if you were to have a chime that you strike, and then that that extended ringing sound, they say that's what it sounds like to them. I wouldn't say that it's one thing for everybody. I think everybody experiences something slightly different. But this is a common description, this buzzing. Okay, and then he finds himself in this extremely colorful garden. Now, he did describe 
um, a tunnel. It, it, he says, I know it sounded stereotypical, you know, it sounds cliche, if you will, but that's what he saw. And uh, then he finds himself in this beautiful, colorful gardens uh, with beautiful music playing. And he even describes um, this choir at one point uh, singing as if praises to him, which is interesting. You hear of, of people singing praises to God, not necessarily to the individual. But sometimes it can be the same thing. That is to say that, that the song of praise is for God, all of his creation, and you yourself included kind of idea. And I think that's often what's going on. He describes the experience as being so real that he's more likely to question the reality of this experience he's having now on earth than he is to question the experience he had there. It was more real, more vivid, more colorful, if you will. And the only reason he seems to use the word color um, or more color or color TV versus black and white TV is because we don't have here what they have there to compare with. If you lived in a black and white world, how would you describe color? You would say it's it, it, it's more sharp, even more contrasty, more, uh, you know, what words do you use? Because you don't have color to work with. That seems to be what's going on here as well. Okay, so he also has the experience of being in an all-knowing presence where if he asks a question or if he even thinks the question, the answer pours out. And of course, I find it interesting that he is curious about life on other planets. And he sees them. He sees their experiences and he sees what they're going through. It's it, I mean, these kinds of experiences, when people describe this kind of thing, it's so above and beyond our earthly experience that not only the, do they have a difficulty sharing it, but we don't know in our mortal mindset how to discuss them, which may be part of the reason why people struggle to believe near-death experiences. How do you describe this? How do you explain it? when it is so above and beyond anything we've ever experienced here. If you were an ant going about your business, doing your duty for the colony, and suddenly had a one-year experience being human, with all that that entails as an adult human, and then you go back to the ant colony, how do you describe that? You can't. Not only do you not have words, but you don't have the gestures, you don't have the emotions even that are cap that you're capable of. And I, you know, I, I should say, you know, I don't know what kind of emotional landscape uh, ants experience, but um, I think it, for sure, as far as the thinking and communication is concerned, experiencing humanness would be a vastly different experience than what they're used to. And trying to describe that to their friends would be absolutely impossible. And that seems to be the experience that people are having going to the other side and then 
coming back and trying to explain it. And then when he gets back to his body, he immediately does not want to be there. And, and he's like, no, I'm going back. I'm getting out of here. So he grabs a razor with the idea of killing himself in order to get back where he was. But this voice tells him loud and clear, no. He still had life and purpose and meaning for being here. He had things to do. And perhaps sharing his experience with all of us was part of that purpose. Very interesting. And, you know, sometimes um, people would have tried to explain why suicide is bad in terms of you being in a negative state or in a state where, you know, you're, you're in such a mental state that you, you don't want to experience what you would experience on the other side, implying that there would be some kind of distressing aspect to it because of the state of mind that you're in at the time that you die. But that's not a fair statement. And when you look at a, an experience like this where his whole motivation for wanting to kill himself at this time is simply to return to the love. There was no hatred mindset or or depression. Even, well, I guess he did talk about b being depressed, feeling depressed coming back, but it wasn't based in this, ah, uh, heck with it, I don't even want to deal with anything anymore. It was more of like, oh, I miss the light, I miss the love, I want to go back. And he begins to act on that desire but is immediately rebuked and told, don't, don't do it. And the reason being, he has important things to accomplish. Now, did he know what those things were? Of course not. Of course not. Could he have known what they were? I seriously doubt that he could. Do you know why you're here? Why you haven't yet returned to the other side? Maybe some of you do. I suspect most of us don't. And that's as it should be for most of us. I don't know why, but that's as it should be. And we ha still have great work to do on this earth. The more I learn about near-death experiences, the more I learn about life. And this life is so, so important, regardless of our situation, regardless of the feelings that we have about ourselves or our lives. We may be doing ourselves a disservice by thinking we're less than we are, but that thinking does not change the fact that we are children of God. We are his creations. We are spiritual beings taking on an earthly mortal role for a short time. And a short time it is. Because when we go on to the other side, Time will not exist in the same way. Eternity will go on forever, and we will continue to experience and experience and experience. And the experiences that we're having now are vital and important and beautiful. And the more we can see it that way, the better aligned we are to fulfill whatever purpose God has for us in this life. I want to, as we close up, thank all of you for your support, for your listening, for your involvement, for any who gave financial contributions, who, who have bought my book, who have, have 
shared the podcast with others. You guys, this makes such a difference for me personally, and I hope that these words can offer you a measure of hope and love for your life and for your loved ones. If you would like to contact the podcast, you can either email me, chaz at ndepodcast.org, or john at john at ndepodcast.org. You can also purchase my book by going to neardeathexperiencepodcast.org and click on, I don't remember if it's store or books, I think it's store or something like that. And you can also go to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash ndepodcast. But to all of you, regardless, thank you so much again for listening. Thank you.